Currently in Lynchburg, we have uh, 30 degrees, 33 in Bedford, 32 in Roanoke and Salem, 26 in Danville, 28 in Appomattox, and uh, 29 in Amherst. So it, it's chilly. For the first time, I really appreciated the sauna that is our studio this morning when I walked in. So there you go. Uh, well, Mayor Stephanie Reed is in the news this morning. And, uh, of course, she won her election to get on Lynchburg City Council January 3rd and was uh, sworn in. Next day, she was elected Lynchburg's new mayor. And um, in, uh, a week later, she is bringing a resolution to City Council to uh, push turning Lynchburg into a Second Amendment sanctuary. Uh, in her own words, she says that means Lynchburg would be immune to anti-Second Amendment legislation. Uh, in a statement, she said that she intends to bring a resolution to City Council supporting the designation of Lynchburg as a Second Amendment sanctuary, finally fulfilling the desire of our constituents to uphold our constitutional rights and support law-abiding gun owners, she said in a statement. And uh, she said Lynchburg residents supported making Lynchburg a sanctuary in January of 2020, when the anti-Second Amendment legislation was being considered in the General Assembly, um, the legislation in question was proposed by former Governor Ralph Northam and legislative leaders as to what they said were common sense gun safety measures. And then after hours of public input from the Lynchburg community, City Council voted 5-2 to two not to become a Second Amendment sanctuary. Uh, now, City Council will vote again on that issue. So, hopefully, that will be done tonight. Uh, she says, as a lifelong conservative, I've never uh, shied away from my principles and support of the Second Amendment. On Tuesday, I welcome my colleagues to join me in supporting the resolution. So, there you go. As I recall, we were talking about that uh, on yesterday's show. So if you missed that interview, uh, that's up on our SoundCloud and our Facebook page. That was with uh, Councilman Marty Mischens. And uh, so hopefully this meeting this evening is going to go smoothly and they will proceed and get things done in a very clear and concise way. Uh, City of Lynchburg has announced that there are major upgrades coming to Riverfront Park within the next year. They have announced that, that they plan to update the space uh, with a new amphitheater. Lynchburg will finally have an amphitheater. Uh, playground, public restrooms, fencing, lighting. Uh, the deputy director of public works is overseeing the project and said the new additions uh, will be a great asset for the city. But having been the person that started doing events down on the riverfront, uh, one of them, and it was half asphalt and grass and half gravel and yeah it was it was a hot mess they've come a long way baby so uh anna benson assistant director of economic development and tourism said the new amphitheater should bring more musicians and concerts to the area um and they say that's going to be good for all downtown businesses hopefully this is something that the people who live downtown will embrace you know, they they built a lot of residential buildings right there at that at that park. So um, 
it's going to be interesting to see how how they coexist together. I mean, hopefully they know they're they're moving in next to a park. But I will tell you, I ran the the community market for years, and there are the community market lofts right next to the community market, and I had not many, but a couple of people who literally wanted me to move the time of the farmer's market mm-hmm. because it interrupted them on Saturday mornings. Like, you bought an apartment next to a farmer's market. Use the brain. It starts early. Although the one guy was very pushy, almost threatening in his behavior. It was it was super interesting. So hopefully that's going to go very smoothly. It's always been a part of the <laughs> it's always been a part of the master plan um so hopefully it, that will go well uh, they're holding an open house tomorrow night at tresica on 8th from 4 until 6 and residents can come down and see the new plans for the park so if that's something that you're interested in seeing you can go there uh tomorrow and it's tresica on 8th and it's from 4 p.m until 6 p.m so it's 8th Street and Commerce Street? No. Where is this at? Tresica. Tresica is on, it's Commerce Street that runs in behind Main yeah, Street. Yeah, yeah, you're right. right. Tresco okay. on 8th? Yeah, yeah, it's on Commerce Street okay. and 8th Street. So it's Commerce and 8th is where I was it's like, located. It's like, I live there. I should know. Okay. I mean, I maybe not live there. I don't want to reveal where I live. So. Well, I mean, I, I was downtown forever. I should have been able to just rattle that right off, but I didn't want to tell people wrong so there's a little bit of that going on as well 866-916-3776 is our number you're still texting about the uh some of you getting sky high power bills uh appalachian is kind of weighed in on that Uh, some people don't seem to be affected that much but others are seeing huge increases so that seems a bit inconsistent it's going to be interesting to see how all that works out uh we have lost another young person in the area uh former football player with jmu has died following a crash in hanover yeah this is um, over the weekend he played at hanover high school um which is was one of our big rivals so i i actually know where this crash happened obviously really yeah. Um, well, a- apparently, according to the Hanover County Sheriff's Office, on Saturday at about 7.15 in the morning, uh, we we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but we didn't have the details in. in uh, 2016 Ford F-150 was traveling northbound across the double solid line, colliding with a 2020 Kentworth utility truck. And the driver of the 2016 Ford, Martin Dean Cheatham of Mechanicsville, was uh, pronounced dead at the scene. The driver of the Kentworth utility truck was taken by EMS to an area hospital with minor injuries. And according to the post made by JMU Football, Cheatham was a former player for the team. And um, they say they're still collecting information to determine the circumstances that led to the crash so that's very sad we have had way too many of those lately so um 
there's a possible wolf hybrid that's in need of a, a new home. The Potter League of Animals, an animal shelter in Rhode Island, is hoping to find a new home for a very special canine. His name is Zeus. He is four years old. German Shepherd Husky Wolf Mix. Beautiful animal. I mean, really, really beautiful. But certain in certain photos, he really does look like a wolf. The nonprofit says they've received a lot of applications and they're trying to review who would be the best match with Zeus going forward. He tips the scales at more than 100 pounds. He is playful, energetic, loving, good with other dogs, cats, and kids too. Loves snacks and lots of kisses. Okay. So he's obviously tapping into more of the husky so side. This sounds is. like he has a, an electric personality. I don't get it. Zeus. Oh. Oh, boy. Dale, are you laughing at that one? Are you, Dale's are you, in hiding. Dale, are you laughing? Dale, Dale might be in hiding after the way the Cowboys showed up last week. Uh, oh, there we go. <laughs> I saved that. He was brought to the Porter League for animals by his former owner who travels a lot, couldn't give him the attention that he needs. That's sad. Uh, and they say they're told his genetic makeup is one-third German Shepherd, one-third Husky, one-third Wolf. They're like, let's get all the big dogs and I combine know. them. Well, holy crap. That's why he weighs so much. Um, but the, the thing about it is the wolf hybrids aren't legal in some places, in, including Rhode Island. It's not legal to own one in, in Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and Connecticut. Uh, they are legal in Vermont and New Jersey. So, uh, evidently. Ye- New Jersey? New, New Jersey. Ye- New Jersey. Well, I hope he finds a, the, the right home. He's very sweet, but he is kind of scary. He does look like a wolf. So, I don't know what I think about that. But it says he's good with other people. Which uh, is with good. With people and animals and cats and stuff. But he's not good with cats. He's terrible. Very, very naughty. I have not seen Cody. I almost said Cody. Um, Hokey uh, interact with cats yet. So, we'll see how it goes. If he has the same feelings I do towards them, he might not like I them. I was shocked when Buddy behaved so horribly around a cat. He's not very nice to them. Uh, we'll be back. We're going to go to break now. But when we come back... If you have uh, food allergies, you may need to be aware. An allergist is warning some big food brands are adding major allergen in a shortcut that they're taking. You need to be aware of that. We'll talk about it when we come back. We are the Morning Jam. Start your mornings on the right foot and listen to the morning jam. Taking it easy. Why would I ever Because I know I got some good friends that live down the street. Got a good looking woman with her arms out. Well, your day's always a little bit better when you can squeeze in a little Zach Brown on a Tuesday. Thanks for your calls this morning. We appreciate them. Our number is 866-916-3776. Trey put out the Dale Bat signal, and he never fails to... He said he wasn't hiding, so... Uh, okay, all right. Hey, good morning. How are you? Oh, I'm not in hiding from somebody who is not as old as some underwear I own. Come on, man. 
Wow. All right. <laughs> That's a. You probably need to go through that. Yeah. Would... If your underwear is 25 years old, I can't imagine what that looks like. <laughs> I'll send you a pair and you'll know. All right. Okay. I got you. I'm just going to so ignore was, that part. part. He was he was picking on you with your, your cowboys there, huh? Well, I purposely didn't give him grief last week when Philadelphia lost to that no-name team. That uh, The Saints? <clears throat> I mean, they yeah, still have the go. one the seed. And they still have the buy. They don't have to play this week. It's gonna be great when Tom Brady beats the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. The Eagles won't. Oh, they probably will because as long as until Dallas gets smart and dumps Dak and picks up Aaron, now that he's even more upset with Green Bay. Hmm. Quarterback's not the problem with the Dallas Cowboys, my friend. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you what. I I I am. You may not believe me, but I am actually glad that Dallas did not get the number one seed because the last couple of decades, the times they have had the number one seed, they've lost in the first round. The times they also had the number five, the the number four, the number three, the number two. All right, I'm dozing off now. Whatever seed, they they are, uh, they don't, they don't get. how many Super Bowls do they have and how many Super Bowls do the Beagles have? All I know is since I was born in 1997, Dallas Cowboys (laughs) have not reached the NFC Championship game and the Eagles have been there six times and won a Super Bowl. All right, you guys need to have this argument off the air. I answer, typical millennial answer. If you don't, if it didn't happen before you were born, you pretend it didn't happen. No, I know they won. I'm just, I know they won five Super Bowls. I'm not, I, I know, but I'm just saying, like, let's get relevant here. Well, you know what? I'll tell you this. There's more to life than just winning. There's something called morals. And the Eagles, Certainly yeah, the Cowboys. Yeah, that the Cowboys have morals. That's something. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh. Way more than the Eagles do. Okay. All righty. Okay. I, I have fun. Fun talk. All right. Good talk. Good talk That's, this morning. Did, well, what do you want to talk about, Janet? Chicken and dumplings? Maybe cooked squirrel. No, don't want to talk about cooked squirrel. <laughs> uh, we did talk about the, the power bill, although you're one of the few whose power bill is has pretty much remained where it has been right pretty close it's gone up a little bit but not much because as i said and i was said i heat with wood i mm-hmm, yeah, turn out heat pumps at all costs well i do too i don't i don't like the way i feel uh, with a heat pump i don't like what it does to my voice i don't like the way it just dries there i just don't like it i just don't like a heat pump but that's just me yeah well uh oh why would i waste it you're breaking up can't hear you. a little labor. Well, thanks oh, for calling in this morning. I don't. Uh, you're breaking up on us. I don't know what's happening. It's a shame that I'm didn't the happen woods, during why. the football conversation. His phone reception is as reliable as the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. Oh, wow. Yes. All righty. Moving on. Uh, thanks for calling in, Dale. If you have food allergens, you know how serious they can be. Sesame has now been named the ninth major allergen in the U.S., by the FDA, and I, I'm not sure if you have a nut allergy. Uh, I guess sesame seeds would fall in into that. Uh, my friend that had nut allergies. I mean, it was literally any nut seed pit, anything like that. They were allergic to. So I, I don't know that that's the case, but I know a lot of people. It is the tiny seeds can cause a big reaction, and some people who are highly allergic. And whether it's sesame seeds on a, a bagel or a bun, um, the ingredient can be life-threatening to, to some people. Congress passed a uh, the FASTER Act in April of 21, 
and added sesame to the FDA's list of major food allergens effective January 1 of this year. The newly two-year wait allowed food brands and manufacturers time to comply with the new law, and that requires clear labeling of sesame and food items, as well as any resulting fixes needed regarding existing manufacturing processes. Senior Vice President of Government and Community Affairs for Food Allergy Research and Education confirmed the window of time for brand compliance and said uh, he has long-awaited recognition that some 1.6 million Americans suffer with this allergy. Um, The FDA backing the effort said he expects U.S. brands and manufacturers to respect the law as well as customer sensitivity to sesame. But some major brands, along with Big Bread, major U.S. bread suppliers, skipped over legal accommodations on the January 1 deadline, they're saying. Instead of ensuring the removal of all traces of sesame from products sold to the public, which would necessitate the suppliers clearing appropriate facilities and factory lines, some major food brands such as Wendy's, Olive Gardens, and Chick-fil-A have added more sesame to their menu items instead. This serves as an economic shortcut for brands to explicitly label that there's sesame in their products instead of pushing and funding clean manufacturing lines. Okay. Wendy's has reportedly added sesame flour to its buns, which the brand credits to frequently evolving menu. Um, Chick-fil-A said that the brand did not want a recipe change for sesame flour to be added to its white and multigrain brioche buns, but instead... It's bread uh, suppliers found it necessary to do so. So, I mean, are they just not going to be able, I guess, if you have an allergy, you're not going to be able to eat at those places. Hmm. Well, Chick-fil-A fries and peanut oil, so. True. Yeah, and they haven't changed that. I guess if you have nut allergies, you just can't eat there. Well, I think you can have, like, the grilled chicken. Yeah, but you still got, it's still on the place. People who are severely allergic. Yeah. You know, if it comes up against the waffle fries at any point. Thank you, God. I'm just so glad you don't have a peanut allergy. I don't know. American Bakers Association, um, they're not uh, not responding. It's going to be really dangerous because they're allegedly building a Chick-fil-A, like, right here at work, like, near us. Oh, no. That is a very dangerous proposition. That that really is dangerous. And, and you know, it's dangerous because my favorite— is the um, the little minis. Oh, yeah, breakfast. The breakfast uh, chicken minis. If you do the app, you can buy 10 of them. And I may or may not have done that a couple times. <laughs> and eaten all of them. Yes. And loved it. Every minute of it. All right. I'm not judging you. It's okay. A little ketchup. <laughs> uh, they go. They like don't the... even need ketchup. It's terrible. I know. It is a terrible, terrible thing. And I have a Chick-fil-A gift card in my wallet right now, even as we speak. Jeez, danger! It's God's chicken. Chick-fil-A it's danger. God's chicken. It's God's chicken. <laughs> you can't you help it. Oh my word! Well, the uh, one of the major stories today in the headlines is um, the fact that Biden, for all of his clutching of the pearls over classified information that Trump had, had it's now been discovered 
that uh, he also had some classified information that he wasn't supposed to have. Attorney General Merrick Garland has tapped a Trump-appointed U.S. attorney to investigate the discovery of classified documents at a pro-Biden think tank on Monday. John Losh, the U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Illinois, was appointed by former President Donald Trump in November of 2017. He will investigate the discovery of a batch of documents found at the offices of the Penn-Biden Center, some of which were marked classified, a source with knowledge of the matter, uh, said to Fox News Digital. Lawyers for Biden said they immediately notified the National Archives about the documents dated from Biden's time as vice president once they were discovered, and they returned the documents to the archives in November. Now, when he was asked about the documents yesterday, he ignored the question. He refused to answer a question about the classified documents that were found, um, and, uh, Reporters said, any response to the discovery of classified documents at your office? President looked down, ignored the question. Which seems to work, you know, pretty well for him. It's worked in the past. Not sure why it wouldn't work now. Coming up, we've got your local headlines from WDBJ7. And we'll take a look at your forecast. See what that holds in store for the rest of our week. All ahead here on The Morning Jam. It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. I'm meteorologist Brent Watts. Decreasing clouds today with a high of 49 degrees. We'll turn partly cloudy lows at 29 tonight. A mix of clouds and sunshine on Wednesday. Highs at 52. Wednesday night lows at 36 degrees. And on Thursday, we'll bring in a chance of rain showers. Heading into the afternoon, highs at 59. Rain continues Thursday night and wraps up early Friday with cooler conditions for the weekend. Currently 32 degrees in Lynchburg, 34 in Roanoke and Salem, 35 in Bedford, 28 in Danville, 31 in Amherst, and 30 in Appomattox. Well, you know, we talk a lot about the whole gun-grabbing thing, the the Second Amendment rights. You know, I, I'm a proud gun owner and not something I'm willing uh, to give up. Other than that, this next story has got me fired up in a pretty terrible way. I can feel the heat. Uh, yeah. There's going to be plenty of heat coming. They're coming after my gas stove now. Unacceptable. U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission is considering a ban on gas stoves as concerns surrounding the indoor air pollutants from the appliances Bloomberg reported the agency plans to act on the appliances because the pollutants can cause respiratory and health issues. Agency Commissioner Richard Trumka told Bloomberg it's a health hazard. It's hidden. Products that can't be made safe can be banned. Any option is on the table. Oh, no, it's not, buddy. 35% of homes in the U.S. have gas stoves, including mine. 
According to the reports, they say it releases carbon monoxide, nitrogen dioxide, and other uh, matter that the World Health Organization deem unsafe because it can cause cardiovascular problems, cancer, and other health conditions. That's why we have the little alarms in our house, sir. After testing gas ranges and finding elevated levels of nitrogen gases, Consumer Reports strongly advise people to consider buying electric ranges rather than gas. This is just the green people coming after our our stoves. That's all it is. And one of them's from Virginia. Don Beyer sent a letter to the agency in December requesting the consideration of warning labels on range hoods and performance standards. Doesn't matter, not giving up my gas stove. Policymakers at the state and local levels are also pushing to get rid of gas appliances and exchange them for electric to reduce the use of fossil fuels. And as we learned earlier, what is the electric coming from? Coal and natural gas, you idiots. Ann Arbor, Michigan has adopted the A20 plan, calling on residents to buy electric vehicles, install solar panels, and rely less on fossil fuels. Yeah, that. <laughs> and this is what this Jack is saying now. I got there's, you. There's a misconception that if you want to do fine dining kind of cooking, it has to be done on gas. It's a carefully manicured myth. It's not a myth, you idiot. It's not. If you if you are a cook or a chef or, or just a decent cook, many times you're going to prefer a gas range. That's just the way. I cannot stand to cook on electric. I hate it. I hate it so much. I can't. They're going to come after our grills. My parents so have a gas stupid. gas um. Well, they have a gas grill, but I'm in a, a uh, gas stove. And right. And it's way cook on than my electric stove. I think I'll, which, if I, I can't, like, I'm not going to buy a new stove, so I'll deal with what I got, but. Right, because you don't care, but some of us do care. But I will say, like, so I want a new, I, want, I finally can get a grill. Like, honestly, like, we've talked about this. This is, like, I, for some reason I'm most excited about getting a new house is I can get a grill. And right. I want a charcoal grill. Like yes, I feel, I, of course you do. Okay. And you know why? It's better. It's better. That's why. So if anyone has a charcoal grill, they just want to give me. Let me I mean, know. we have we have both. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like my dad has a gas grill, and it's fine. Well, we have both. We have one that's gas on one side and charcoal on the other. Oh, and if it's just two of us, and we want something really quick, we use the gas. But if people are coming over, we we pop in the the charcoal, baby. And do it that way. Um, Dale says, "I refuse to allow gas in my home." <laughs> what are we? Are we talking? Are we talking about a stove? Now? Wait. So, is that if what you we're refuse to allow gas in your home, what do you do when you got? You know, you got to pass it. <laughs> I don't know. Do you walk outside? I, he said I mean, no maybe, gas. Maybe I know what he meant. I honestly know what he meant. Are you talking about logs? Or, or with Dale, you don't. I never know if he's being serious or not. That's very true. My parents. So my parents have gas logs. I have gas logs, and uh, oh, he says Trey is not allowed. <laughs> we have gas logs, and we have and we have a gas stove, and that was that was on me. I I wanted a gas range to cook on because because I love it. It brings me joy, and it brings joy to a lot of people who come to my house to eat. So anyway, Don 
fire. You need to get your act together, buddy. Keep your let grubby, me co- keep your oh, grubby Janet, paws I figured it out. Off my I figured stove. out how you can change his mind. You just cook for him one night. Right, exactly. Uh, five nine's coming up. You, yeah, you, you cook for him one night. You'd be like, listen, I can't do this oh, yeah. on electric. I mean, are you going to deprive the world of this? <laughs> who wants to do that? Nobody. Food. You got to live to eat. <sighs> Boy, so depressing. Uh, so here's a, a story also depressing, no doubt about it. Uh, five women in California have filed a lawsuit alleging that a non-denominational Christian organization covered up instances of abuse and exerted financial pressure on members to the extent that some of them took their own lives. The uh, lawsuit filed last month names five plaintiffs as sisters Darlene Diaz, Bernice Perez, Ashley Ruiz, Salud Gonzalez, and Alina Patola. The youngest 23, the oldest 33. They allege that the International Churches of Christ and affiliated organizations, which include Hope Worldwide, Mercy Worldwide, the International Christian Church, and City of Angels International Christian Church, indoctrinated them and isolated them while exploiting them sexually and manipulating them through a strict belief system. The lawsuit also names leaders, Kip McKean, founder of the church and estate of the late Charles Lucas as defendants. They allege church leaders established a a system of exploitation that extracts whatever it can from their members. They say that church members were pressured to fund special mission trips twice per year and tithe 10% of their income to the church to the point that some were driven to depression and suicide. If the tithing budget was not satisfied, leaders or disciples were forced to contribute the financial shortfalls themselves, or members were required to locate the offending member who failed to tithe, sit on their porch until they arrived home in an attempt to obtain their tithe funds before Sunday evening was over. The pressure to comply with the church's rigid demands was the source of anxiety and depression. Wow. Okay. Well, that's going to be one to watch, isn't it? They also report sexual assaults on um, children as young as 13 during mission trips. We have someone um, fired up about guests. Okay. You're good morning. You're on the morning jam. Who's this? Hello. Are you talking to me? I am talking to you. Who's this? Oh, this. This is Donald. This is cool. Okay. I had got I had turned my radio down, you know, so it won't do feedback and all this screeching and shrieking. There you all go. Right. I appreciate that. Well, I'm pretty cool young and I think I am anyway. Uh, I'm sixty seven. Okay. Ain't never met a stranger in my life. Wonderful. All right, here's Yeah, uh, well I'm a wonderful person, he said, <laughs> hoping that everybody else would agree. But okay. <laughs> all right, youngin. You got me stared up while I go. Because they're coming like after your gas stove. They, oh, uh, uh, good gracious, you're pretty swift. You've got me stared up now. Wee, wee. <laughs> give me, give me, give me. Okay. I'm totally blind, and here we go. Cooking. All right. Yes, I can do anything but climb a tree backwards. Okay. I mean, I can do anything. Okay. And I can't tell colors. All right. 
cooking with gas, here's the advantage of gas. Okay, for, for one thing, um, they put chemicals in it to make it smell, and gas on its own does not smell. Cooking gas, mm-hmm. natural gas. They put, they put chemicals, I like to play with words, they put chemicals in it to make it smell, sulfur, whatever. Okay, now, and if there's a leak, you'll smell it, unless your smellers did. Right. Here's the advantage of gas for a blind person. Uh, and I'll go, I'll go electric, too, but I, I'm just not, Donald, don't be so long-winded. With the gas stove, is in, if you turn it down, the fire instantly comes down, and the, the boiling slows down. Right. That's the advantage of a blind person, because, because over the electric stove, with, the, with an electric stove that has the eyes, I'm talking about the right. eyes that the pot set on, I ain't talking about a glass top, I'll get there in a second. But the one that has eyes on it, with electric stove, you turn the you turn the thing back, and it thermostat clicks on and off, or it cycles mm-hmm. on and off. It's, depends on whether it's got magnetic points or not. That's another story. <clears throat> it takes it a while to cool down. Now, the advantage of a of an electric stove with a glass top, there's an advantage to that also. Is um, there? Because I hate them. No, no, child. I love them to death. I love. If I had to choose stove, two stoves to cook with out of the three, I would choose my gas stove and the electric flat top glass stove, and I'm gonna tell you why. With the electric coal stove, this, the coals are in open air. It t- that coal cools down kind of kind of fast, and and oh, gas it all. I know what I'm going to say. I'm trying to get my actions together. The glass top holds heat longer. Uh huh. And. So if you turn it, if you have it on high, and you t- the glass top will hold heat longer. So you can turn a glass top down to like, okay, twelve o'clock straight up is off. Nine o'clock is like low, lower simmer. Mm-hmm. The glass top will simmer better than the one on than the than the than the coals that are exposed. Yeah, but if I it want that does. heat off altogether, well, you then know, you I have to open off. the window. You know, open <laughs> <laughs> the window. <laughs> Oh goodness! And turn on the exhaust fan. Yeah. Okay, but you know there's advantages and disadvantages. I, and the and the and the flat top is much safer for a blind person because you don't have to worry about the pot sliding off the burner. Right. Well, that's that is true. That is true. Well, I, I guess the, the my point is this: we live in America. We ought to be able yeah. to to choose the kind of dang stove that we want. And not have the government and, tell us what we're And we cars. Have. I don't think, I mean, to, not to start up a great argument, but I don't think there's enough sun and wind to go solar, everything solar. And if the electricity goes off, you're in bad shape, whatever. Right, exactly. I'm with you, young, and gas, gas is the thing. I got gas heaters, space heaters in my house. The fire's there yeah. instant. And it's, you know, yeah. I like it. Well, thank I'm you cool. for calling in this morning. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome, young and have a great day. You too. Everybody's a young and not a kid. You ain't no goat. You're a you're a youngin. All right, youngin. Thanks. All right. See you. Okay, bye. Is he related to Salty? I think he is. He might be. He might be. It's time for Janet's five and dine on the morning jam. Give her five minutes, and she'll give you some great inspiration for a delicious meal tonight. Five and Dine is brought to you by F&L Market. They're your midtown grocer on Memorial Avenue in Lynchburg, cutting and grinding fresh meats every single day. They have a great seafood department, too. Check out the uh, deals they have in that freezer section. They have some of the most beautiful Argentine shrimp you'll ever see. Pick some of those up for this Greek shrimp and spinach pasta that we're going to make together on our gas stove. Uh, Bring your pasta to a boil 
in some boiling water. Cook it until it's tender and whatever, you know, your pasta of choice is. Uh, so cook that up and then you're going to season a pound of shrimp with some Greek seasoning and let that marinate while your pasta cooks. Then in a large saute pan, put a little olive oil in, have that at about medium high heat, saute that shrimp up and just before they finish cooking, remove them from the pan. Then you're going to add in your spinach to the pan and cook it till it's heated through. Now you can use fresh spinach, but honestly, a package of frozen spinach works beautifully. Just thaw it and make sure that you squeeze it really dry and then you put that over in the saute pan and heat it up really, uh, really good. Then you're going to add pasta back to the pan along with some heavy cream. Then you're putting your, uh, make sure that gets all nice and hot. Then you're going to add in the rest of your spices, which is going to be three teaspoons of fresh dill or one teaspoon of dried dill. And you're going to add your feta to the pan. Cook it until everything incorporates nicely and your pasta is nice and coated. Then you're going to add that shrimp back at the last minute. Cook it one more minute. Remove it from the heat. A one-dish meal that is absolutely delicious. Check out this recipe by going to Facebook. Type in Janet's Five and Dine. You'll find this recipe and all the recipes that we share right here. Brought to you by FNL Market where their meats are a cut above. Before you fire up the coffee maker, turn on the Morning Jam. Start your mornings on the right foot and listen to the Morning Jam. Good morning. It's Janet Rose here on the Morning Jam. We're glad to have you along this morning. We are also pleased to be talking with White House correspondent Stephen Portnoy. And uh, he is joining us to talk about President Biden, who's expected to attend the North American Leaders Summit in Mexico City. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning to you. So um, let's talk a little bit about this. Our listeners are wanting to know why uh, Vice President Harris, she, she's been very absent in these visits to the border and in some of these talks. But it looks like Biden is kind of stepping up and taking this on, huh? Well, look, I mean, the, the president right now is at a, a you know, a, a leader's summit. So he's meeting with his direct counterparts from Canada and Mexico and happened that he stopped at El Paso on Sunday to sort of survey the scene for the first time in his presidency and for the first time in some time in his career in public service. It's not quite clear to us exactly when uh, he previously went to the border, but his administration aides insisted that he had at some point, mm -hmm. uh, either during his career as a senator or as vice president. But the bottom line is uh, the president is now directly engaged on this issue today at a joint st statement. Uh, we expect some sort of announcement from the leaders about a commitment on the part of the Mexican government to do more to work with U.S. law enforcement to interdict fentanyl. Um, when it comes to the migration question, uh, and, you know, you talk about root causes, which is something that the uh, Vice President Harris was tasked with working on. Yesterday, the Mexican president, Emmanuel uh, Lopez Obrador, essentially accused the president and the United States of ignoring Latin and Central and South America. And uh, he said it's time for that to end. Uh, essentially, he's asking for America to spread the wealth around. I'm paraphrasing and sort of maybe even distorting uh, slightly what <laughs> AMLO was saying. But essentially, uh, what, what, he's, what he's suggesting is that the United States owes more to that region of the world uh, to uh, get ahead of or prevent the migration of people north for economic reasons. Uh, the uh, president said that America's responsibilities extend beyond this western hemisphere and that there you know there eight dollars have to flow all over the world um but uh, it was a rare 
moment where reporters were able to see some of that tension between the Mexican leader and the American president. One other thing to mention, the president last week in his speech on this issue said that the Mexican government would agree to uh, uh, accept the expedited removal of about 30,000 migrants from four countries, among them Venezuela and Haiti and Cuba, where the U.S. government says there's been an uptick in attempted crossings of the Mexican border from those four countries. The Mexican government has agreed to take in 30,000 of those migrants a month if they attempt to cross illegally. But at the same time, the Biden administration has said it will grant legal permission for the same number, 30,000 migrants a month from those four countries, if they apply in their home countries, get vetted and approved, and then essentially fly on a plane here to the United States rather than coming up across the border. The White House hopes that this will alleviate some of the pressure along the border. The border towns, leaders there, governors of those states have expressed. Why do you think um, it, it's taken so long for him to make this step? I mean, we've, we've been dealing with this border crisis almost immediately after he took office. Well, the White House defends itself by saying that the president made a, a, a comprehensive immigration reform proposal on his first day in office, and uh, it's Republican critics who aren't serious about it and all this. Uh, but uh, I think it's, it's gotten to a point where it is a, a, a substantial political pressure point for him, and it's because of the data. If you look at the number of people who have attempted to cross the U.S.-Mexico border in the last several months, you'll see it's essentially in an all-time high. Mm-hmm. The Biden administration would tell you that, well, that's because for a whole year under Title 42 in the Trump administration, uh, the Trump administration broke the system and people weren't able to claim asylum. And now you have all these people, all these persecuted people of the world who are saying that they have a legal right to come to the United States. And that's the natural aftermath of, of, of the Trump era policy. Um, the Republicans would argue that the Biden administration has uh, given forward sort of an air of permissiveness where people would uh, feel as though they had not just a legal right to claim asylum, but a legal right to stay, even if their asylum claims are denied or never heard. And the argument from the Democrats that the system is broken sort of ignores the idea that the system is broken because people broke it. And rather than repairing that by stepping up enforcement and deportations, the Biden administration has said that it would um, much more readily allow people to make claims that they have been persecuted and that they are entitled to legal protections here in the United States and that they should be um, allowed to uh, have their humanity. I asked the president last week whether he sees, as activists do, migration as a human right. He gave a nuanced answer. He said that he would see it in the case of a family that's been persecuted, and he specifically invoked Jews in the Holocaust in Germany as people who were persecuted and had a right to flee as a human right. But he also said that America has the right to ensure that those who want to come to this country are vetted for, if nothing else, criminal backgrounds. Well, and and he's absolutely right, because his first responsibility is to the American people. And uh, and hopefully we're going to see something accomplished over over this uh, this summit meeting. So fingers crossed there. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Stephen. We really appreciate it. You bet. White House correspondent Stephen Portnoy this morning joining us on the Morning Jam. Well, that takes us up to the top of the hour. We will be back tomorrow and look forward to seeing you then. Uh, Hope you have a fantastic Tuesday. And uh, we look forward to hanging out with you tomorrow morning.
starting at 7 o'clock here on this VTRN station. Thanks for listening, guys. Listening to the Virginia Talk Radio Network, 100.9 WIQO Forest and 106.3 WMNA FM Greta Danville.